Hey, ear buddies. Are you going to San Diego Comic-Con? Me too. Why don't we do something together? I'll do a panel and you come and watch it. Um, I think I'll do a few. On Thursday, the 9th, at 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. in room 23, ABC, I'll be doing an official uh, Nerdist Comics panel. I hope you come there for it. We're going to get some cool people to talk to. Also on Thursday at 4.30 to 5.30 at the Horton Grand Theater, I'm doing a panel uh, about creative people who are or were comic book readers. And we've got some good people lined up that I can't tell you about yet. And then finally on Saturday, the 11th, at the Banff stage, which is an off-site outdoor thing, uh, I'm putting together a fun group to do a Nerdist Writers panel from 11 to 12, uh, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. And that should be a lot of fun. Uh, I will give you all of the details, including appearing on a bunch of Thrilling Adventure Hour panels with some cool folks that you're going to want to check out, uh, on facebook.com slash panel, or go to thrillingadventurehour.com, or go to our Tumblr, or our Twitter. Go to my Twitter, at Ben Blacker. Just find me, and then find me at San Diego. Deal? Deal. Now entering Nerdist.com. My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the host and creator of the Nerdist Writers Panel, which you are currently listening to. I'm also a TV writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Super Ninjas, and currently for uh, the DreamWorks Netflix program Puss in Boots. Check it out. It's now available. I'm also the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, a stage program in the style of old-time radio that is now a podcast right here on the Nerdist Network every week. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for more details. If you enjoy the Nerdist Writers Panel, please leave a review on iTunes and let us know who you want to see on this program by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, just like it sounds, and by liking this show on Facebook, facebook.com slash Panel. Now, here's a theme song. Or an ad. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blacker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. Kay Cannon's okay. here. This is how it starts. He's <laughs> uh, on into it here. Thank you for being. Yes. Thank you for being here. Thank I'm you glad for I can make the time. Um, I want to talk about these movies, but then I really look. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while because I want to talk about this TV stuff okay. that you've been doing. Um, but let's talk about Pitch Perfect and Pitch Perfect Two, which I think when this comes out will have already premiered. Um, Two glowing reviews. Absolutely. And An enormous What a hundred million dollar weekend we had. <laughs> the Hulk is mad at you. <laughs> he does the not Hulk care for these a cappella singers. <laughs> um, the thing I'm curious to hear about, and uh, the movie is on television all the time, you realize. Yeah. So I caught some of it last night again. Um, and I'm just curious to hear about not really the process of making the film, but. How much of the film that we know, and this goes for the sequel as well, is what you put on the page? A lot. Really? Like, uh, I would say, I would say a very high percentage, like in the 90 percentile mm-hmm. of scenes. In fact, scenes that I didn't necessarily want to write for the movie in the first one that uh, maybe I got studio notes or something mm-hmm. and that they really wanted to shoot, they they actually didn't end up in the movie. So it really was like a, a great representation. How did you of know what, what you were doing right right away? Oh, I had no idea. I had no idea. But I mean, like, if you're getting notes that say, put this in to clarify or whatever, mm-hmm. and your gut was obviously, that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, well, I, I think it was because uh, it was very clear in my head because 
the notes that I was getting was more for this, like the romance in the first movie, the mm-hmm. romantic side of of with Becca and Jesse and their romance. And to me, I did, I kept I kept just saying like this is a movie about a group of mm-hmm. ragtag ladies, mm-hmm. underdogs in the acapella world. For you know, it's an underdog story. This is not a, a rom com. Mm-hmm. And so that's what my you know fight was. I, I just felt like in my gut, like I knew I was more right than yeah. wrong on that. You know, How, I'm, I'm sure you have talked about this so many times, but like, where did this come from? <laughs> well, oh yeah. How, I mean, how do you say I want to do a bad news bears? But <laughs> here's what it's about. Yeah. Uh, well, I never knew that this world existed. I'm from the mm-hmm. Midwest, and it was not, you know, acapella in college was not popular. Mm-hmm. And then I was writing a 30 Rock, the first season. There's a joke about the character, too, for having, you know, been in an acapella group in college at Harvard. And Robert Carlock, told, uh, you know, the showrunner of, of uh, 30 Rock, I, I had asked, I was like, who, who, what joke? Oh, that's so funny. Who, whose joke <laughs> is that? Then he said, no, this is actually a real thing. Right. And I literally said in the room, in the writer's room, I said, Someone needs to write a movie about that. And over my lunch hour, I went and looked up all the different groups, and I just oh. couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And um, I had never written a screenplay before, and I didn't want to write about something I didn't know. So I basically, for about a year and a half, I just told people uh, and anyone who would listen that I want to write a movie about acapella <laughs> in the college world, um, in, the, in you know, collegiate acapella. And um, I told my agents, and they're like, well, what's it about? And I was like, right. I don't know. I, I don't really know that world, but I just know that there should be something about it. And at the time, this is how far back this was, I was like, maybe John Krasinski uh, is, you know, goes to a state school and his brother goes to uh, Ivy League school, and then they end up at the finals <laughs> against each other. Um, and then, and one of the people that I told was Elizabeth Banks, who mm-hmm. she and I were friends. And uh, I just said, like, I don't know what it's going to be about, but I, th- I want to do this. And she, like, uh, you know, a, a long while later, uh, her husband found out that there was this book coming out called Pitch That's Perfect, right. where Mickey Rapkin followed mm-hmm. three or four groups around for a year and, and wrote the stories of, you know, it's basically the research that I needed right. to know what I was talking about. Um, so in that time, yeah. were you actually doing research or were you just saying, I know there's a movie here? I, I was just saying, I know there's a movie here. I, I mean, I would do as much as I could. Like I would, right. you know, like go online and look, but yeah. I, I was very busy with 30 Rock and I had sure. also was working on the movie Baby Mama okay. during my hiatus. So I really just didn't have the time. Right. So I think it's one of those things, you, so if you just funny. put it out in the universe enough, like it will come to you somehow. Um, um, and uh, Max f- found out that there was this book coming out. And then I don't even think Liz remembered that I told her this. I think she just was like, well, Kay's a funny writer and we're friends and she loves to do karaoke. I think that they thought that I would be like the perfect person to do this movie. And so when she called me about it, I was like, you're answering my prayers. I have been talking about this for a long time. And then she's like, oh, yeah, that's right. But basically then the three of us came up with the pitch and then sold it to universal (laughs) that's crazy crazy right Uh, and what was the writing process like for you um i writing it i was again writing at 30 rock at the same time i was writing the movie so i was very much like writing whenever i could get a free second and um Mm -hmm. i you know i had 
deadlines as you always do when you get yeah, you know, I mean, I to a studio. I imagine 30 Rock was like a, a fairly typical writer's room where it was full days, long hours. and Yeah, yeah. and I would say it, it was atypical in that the, lo- the hours were even longer really? than long hours. Yeah, um, you really, it was, the bar was very high. And and, and you guys were, produced episodes also, right? right? You were on set. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Okay. Yeah, and so I would write on the subway into work. I'd write during my lunch hours and um, I would, you know, write on the weekends, like, just any time I could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have, what were the challenges of hammering out that story? Because you did, you had the book as the jumping off point. Yeah, but the book isn't, doesn't have a narrative. It's just, yeah. it, what it shows you is that all lady groups were the underdogs. Right. That's where the, that's where I was like, oh, that's where the story should be. And um, so my challenge was, and, and let me be perfectly clear, Pitch Perfect is not reinventing the wheel <laughs> of story. It is a typical story it structure. Make it easier, though. Yeah. I mean, I gotta um, say, it's. Still, I guess. You know, you might have a structure that exists in this sort of sports narrative, yeah. but you still want to make it interesting. Like you, right? You I spent all. Yourself, I spent too. most of my time uh, coming up with the characters that I mm-hmm. wanted audiences to love and to be really funny sure. and to have many of them and you know like movies like Major League and The League of Their Own and like where you just have like a, bun- a mm-hmm. bunch of characters that you remember and so that's where most of my efforts went I remember having this big board with all the character names and even stuff like Baloney Barb you know like there was just like people that you I wanted to make sure that you remembered them mm-hmm. and, the, and that the world was like really full because I wasn't reinventing the wheel and there weren't going to be like big plot twists Absolutely. necessarily um, there's not a lot of suspense um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I wanted you know who was Becca and and who was Fat Amy and how are they funny and what's their comedic worldview and how are the dynamics within each other, and that's what my process really was. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that also becomes a really tough thing because you, I mean, you do populate this world with characters that you like and find interesting. Yeah, and finding enough for everybody to do in a 90-minute film can, has to be tricky. For sure. And also, uh, there were I had like three more characters that we cut sure. uh, before we started shooting. They're like, you've got to get rid of some of these people. <laughs> the people there was a couple of troubles that were more highlighted and, and stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it was like a, a tough balancing act of figuring out, you know, who was... Who, also, I didn't know what was going to work. Like, I remember... Lily, for example, who's the quiet talker, mm-hmm. she really, I think, maybe had just like one, maybe two lines, hmm. or mostly through my many of my drafts. And then as it got closer to where we were shooting, I was like, this is really fun to write weird stuff to come out of her <laughs> mouth. And and also, like, she kind of helped be like the out to a scene or something, mm-hmm. or like the go to person comedy wise. Sure. But I didn't know if that was going to work or not. You know, sure. like, I would, I would just, like, I wrote all of her lines in smaller font. <laughs> and then I That's would do, great. I would do it for like Liz and Max. I'd be like she talks like this or whatever uh, and, and I didn't we didn't know up until we showed it to people for the first time oh if God. anyone was going to laugh well, at that or if it needed to be yeah. subtitled or anything like that so um, there was just a, like a little little bit of risk taking in terms of oh, are these yeah. are the people going to find these characters endearing and funny mm-hmm. well yeah. sure I mean yeah. it, it must have become clearer once you guys were rolling once casting started and yeah. all that like Obviously, you, you all put together a great cast, and that, that goes a long way towards covering your bases. For sure. I think that cast, it, I think it was so well cast. I think mm-hmm. that the cast, each individual actor is just so good at the job that they're doing, mm-hmm. and they're so talented, and the fact that they all sing and dance and do the whole thing, 
It's cool. And like someone like Esther Dean, for example, mm-hmm. who plays Cynthia Rose, she just came in and auditioned and she's she's kind of like, I'm gonna put myself out there as an actor That's and awesome. then yeah, and, and you know, this is someone who's been nominated for Grammys, uh That's for writing crazy. uh, you know, fireworks and um oh it's it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh so then faced with writing a sequel. Yeah. Obviously, I mean you must have been happy to revisit these characters. I was really I was scared to do it, mm-hmm. but then I was also really happy to do it. And mm-hmm. I I was happy to be in that world given that I lost my father and had a baby during that time. Oh my god. So it was really nice to actually like I was glad I wasn't doing like Schindler's list or right. something. Uh, <laughs> I was happy to be in this, you know, very silly mm-hmm. world where it was like a, a nice um, you know, respite from maybe the things that were going on and yeah. my, my real life and stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. How did you go about and again I haven't seen the movie yet, but uh-huh. how do you go about banging out that new story considering you've done the story that we expect, right? Right. You've gotten to do How do I do another that story sense. that we also expect? Well, maybe. <laughs> um yeah. well it was it was a lot of like uh, meetings with um, the producers and myself and the executive producers and the studio heads of just like, where do we want to go mm-hmm. uh, with this story? And also who's coming back? Like there was a time there and a lot of people don't know that, but there was like several months where it's like, I didn't know who I, you know, deals weren't done and mm-hmm. I didn't know what actors wanted to come back or, sure. or even who I wanted to, you know, do story wise. It was once, um, I'd had this idea that, um, and you haven't seen the movie, but, we, we can the, tell us. You'll, it's in the trailer. You, you, you'll figure it out. Uh, um, that I wanted them to be. I wanted the the Bellas to be like too big for their britches, and uh, over the last three years, <laughs> and that I wanted them to become underdogs again. And mm-hmm. I, so I was, of course, inspired by uh, you know Janet Jackson's uh, Super Bowl nipple situation. And so I was like, oh, that that's they should be doing something. They oh should be performing, God. you know, before their senior year in front of someone. And then I looked to see when President Obama's birthday was, which is in August. August. And then I was like, oh, the, the good, they can like go, they can be performing for him. And then we would have uh, Fat Amy show her vagina to uh, the president and call it Muffgate. And then they would be, ba- they would be, you know, back at the bottom again and be a disgrace in a very public way. <laughs> and then that, once I had like pitched that idea and we knew that they were going to be seniors and that they were going to graduate, mm-hmm. then I felt like, oh, well, there's an interesting story here mm-hmm. of just like them having to like redeem themselves and what is their legacy and what do you and all the fears you have before you graduate so for me the first the pitch and pitch two feel like one big movie where Mm -hmm. you saw them coming in and you see them leaving oh that's cool yeah that's great um i wonder about and and you mentioned you know you're getting to live in this silly world yeah um and it's a question that comes up a lot i mean when i'm pitching comedy i feel like when anyone is pitching comedy and i feel like it must have come up on 30 rock as well but about these stakes for these characters, or the stakes in a world that can be a little cartoonish, or that yeah. can lean, you know, the tone is so specific <laughs> on both 30 Rock and in these movies. Yeah. That, you know, like, it's, it's, how do you keep it grounded, I feel like is always the big question, and, and the yeah. big note from execs, Tim. Yeah, I, I think, like, because both pitches are about competition. The stakes are inherently there of like, are they going to win? Are they not going to win? Now the suspense of, are they going to win or not going to win is not necessarily there. But I think that uh, just, just having that competition just helps with those kind of stakes. Mm -hmm. Um, But the truth of it is, is that like it, there's, 
for me, for my money, I'm always like, I care less about steaks and more about the enjoyment of what I'm seeing. And, um, and that was a note that was constantly given to me <laughs> because I, to me, I just, for me, it's like <clears throat> jokes and do you feel joy and like mm-hmm. songs. And are you like, are you leaving the theater feeling really good? Then, Absolutely. you know, the, the stakes become secondary to me. But, uh, you know, it was, it was funny. It was fun to like actually keep getting the same note of like, what are the stakes, Kay? What are the stakes? And they would cite, um, 22 Jump Street because in 22 Jump Street they're constantly stating the stakes yeah. where it's like <laughs> you, you know get this and then we figure that out the case you know <laughs> that kind of thing yeah. and so they went um, the other way on the note <laughs> yeah. yeah so I was I was that's what I was we ultimately ended up doing that it's like if we, mm-hmm. if we win the world then the Bellas you know continue on you know mm-hmm. and kind of reminding people like what what are, what are they caring about did, did that but, go down easy for you though like putting inserting that stuff because you can't yeah. make a joke of it yeah. it does become fun which we which I do yeah. like I, I try to always do but then I think maybe sometimes if, if there's a critic watching the movie it's like because I make a joke it seems to undercut the stakes and it's like what are we caring about but again I still believe 100% that if you leave there feeling good and joyful if you're feeling joy then yeah. that's what people really I think want to go see a movie maybe more than once because mm-hmm. it makes them feel good oh for sure yeah and that's like I said that's why it's on TV all the time. yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's so rewatchable <laughs> right um and I do feel like this is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this feels to me like a lesson from 30 Rock, that like that was just top to bottom a good time. Yeah, uh, and right. They never right. paused to worry about the not necessarily the reality of it, but but the stakes of it or or how yeah. grounded it was. Yeah, like, it was like the what? best joke wins. It feels like absolutely. Um, and I and that that's not to say that there weren't issues that were you know with Thirty Rock. I remember them saying like race, class, gender, like mm-hmm. that the issues oh, sure. that we were talking about are in the real world have very high stakes and very oh. you know are big you know uh, dis- discussions for our society about what's happening. Mm-hmm. In all those cases, but if we if they could we could flip whatever through a joke that yeah. which applies to race, gender, class, then um, we're kind of um, lightening up what's mm-hmm. the, the severity of well, yeah, what's really happening. Yeah, <laughs> there's a difference between uh, giving something weight and having a point of view and having something exactly, to say. Yeah, yeah. Like 30, Rock, 30 Rock clearly had something to say. Yeah. Um, and that came through in every single episode. Yeah. And it was part of what was great about the show. Um, let's talk about it for a minute. Um, this was your entree into the business, yes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you were Scary with, shit, right? <laughs> crazy. Well, you were there the whole time? No, I didn't do the last okay. season, which was only 13 episodes. Okay. I, yeah. I followed um, love to Los Angeles. My husband, <laughs> my husband was here, right. and he was writing uh, here, and I just didn't want to be away from him anymore. Understandable. Yeah. Um, and you, enter, you started as a staff writer there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how did that even happen? What, what were you doing just before I mean, I don't even getting know that why job? It happened. Uh, I was. I don't. I, I don't want to know why. <laughs> <laughs> just tell us the steps. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to that. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't have, guys. It really shouldn't have. I um, was auditioning a lot and not getting things, mm-hmm. and uh, I f- felt like um, I needed to start writing for myself to um, show what I can do. 
Mm-hmm. And so I did. I started writing. You know, I wrote a pilot with my with my bestie Karen Gracci, and uh, Tina Fey, who I was friends with, read that pilot. And I didn't have her read it with like the intention of ever getting hired. It was just mm-hmm. like she was kind of like, "Hey, can I read this thing you're working on?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know." Um, and yeah. then I was in a sketch show at the same time with uh, two great ladies, Karen Gracci being one of them, and Sarah G. And it was a show called Camp Hot, where we were the hottest girls at camp, but we were the only girls at camp. And that was like kind of a successful, you know, uh-huh. sketch show the three of us were did that we wrote. All this is like happening at the same time. Um, I had just audition- I had just tested for Saturday Night Live and did not get it. <laughs> and then um, I was in a spec writing sitcom class where by the end of the eight weeks you mm-hmm. have a spec of something. So I was around right. week five or six of writing my spec of The Office. And of then Tina came to me and said, like, they were staffing for 30 Rock, and oh, wow. she was like, if, you know, if, you know, I'd be interested in hiring you. Do you have a spec? To, and, and in my mind, I'm like, uh, totally, yeah. I, or I told her, I was like, yeah, I totally have a spec, uh, yeah. And then I was like, oh my gosh, you're only, like, on page 12 or whatever. Yeah, no and it was supposed to be that I could turn it in um, like a week later or something and then that week became just a day <laughs> and she was like we're going to need it like Tuesday morning and oh this was God. on Monday and I stayed up I just straight up 24 hours of just writing and doing it and the whole time I felt like I was going to barf and this is just like for everybody oh out there it's like whenever God. I feel like I'm going to barf it's always a good sign <laughs> and I think that should be for everybody involved like if you feel sick there's no good things are coming because the whole time I'm like it's not you know she's my friend yes but I'm right. also giving something Absolutely. to Tina to read at a bit higher stakes yeah. uh, and I didn't want her to not like it and you know beyond getting the job and so I felt like it, I was even like rocking at one point, like as I was doing it. And a friend of mine, Allie Davis, she's uh, she proofed it like uh, here in, in LA at as like five going. in the morning. Yeah. And um, I was flying back to LA because I was by coastal at the time. And so I had like some like nine thirty flight or something. And I I turned it in at like nine twenty nine. Sent wow. it. Sent it. Got on the plane. Flew back to LA. And when I got off uh, the flight, I had a call that they wanted to meet with me. <laughs> So it was just crazy, crazy That's pants. Nuts. Yeah, and then I I didn't hear from a long time. I had my meeting, and then I really didn't think it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And Tina asked me if I was um, if I could be a diversity hire. She's like, "Are you eth- what ethnicity? Do you have anything? Can, yeah, can we say <laughs> my mom's adopted? By the way, and I was like, I I, I can be I can be right. Latina. I can I can do whatever. You know, like, what, yeah, what do you think it look like? Yes, I was like, isn't being a woman a diversity enough? Um, <laughs> and uh, then, then maybe she, fifteen years ago. <laughs> But then she like worked her magic, and wow. I mean it was her show. But there was you know there were things to yeah. to there happen. was a risk, and I yeah. had never done it before, and I'm, I was very green, and um, and so she called me and said like she thought the show was only going to last uh, like you know the 13 episodes sure. or whatever, and she was like, do you mind not performing for a year? Uh, and I was like, oh, I was just wanted a job so bad too, yeah. and and then of course you like if you watch the pilot of 30 Rock, it's like oh of course I want to write on the right. show, like this is a, this is an awesome show. Yeah. It's so rare that you something is so fully formed and funny and exciting and like yeah, yeah. you want to be a part of that. Yeah, you know Alec Baldwin and yeah. you know, it just it's, it was just great. And then you know sh- she was concerned because she's like I'm taking a risk on you and if I ever have to fire you are we going to be okay as you know sure. our, our friendship and stuff. And I was just said I look forward to the day you fire me and like I couldn't <laughs> I just couldn't wait and and then you know then I got hired. 
That's cool. And I felt like I was going to barf for the entire first season. <laughs> but I'm sure most people did. <laughs> yeah, you know, Donald Glover was a staff writer uh, right. at the same time, yeah. and so he and I shared an office, and Funny. and it was really like he was still an RA uh, at uh, whatever college was he, he like went to. Twenty years old. Yeah. What's wrong with uh, yeah. Him? He was like his, he he had like made a he's such a good guy. Like he had made a promise to stay on or something. Oh my god. I just remember that he was still an RA and that. Uh, and I and I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> but I mean, he and I just we just would kind of were going through it together. Yeah, and, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh my god, because uh, that can be scary too. I mean, that first year. Yeah. Never mind that it's a first year show. Right. Your first staff job. And you're with like, the best, not like you know Tina yeah. Fey and Robert Carlock. I, you know, Robert is just like it's unbelievable. He's one of the best yeah. out there doing it, and. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to step back for a second and talk about this uh, taking this class and writing this uh-huh. office spec because um, I th- I just want to be clear to listeners you know writing the majority of that pilot overnight or that spec overnight um, I would imagine the class treated it like a writer's room and you had the story broken that's right I had an outline yeah. and yeah of course and and I don't you know I I tell the story and it's like oh, she did it in one night and, you know, how lucky she was to be friends with Tina and all of that. And yes, that's true. I was very (laughs) fortunate to have her as a friend um, who gave me the shot. But if I hadn't been in that class and I hadn't been doing the sketch show and I hadn't written the pilot, like I was working like crazy for for this opportunity. It's just that they needed it three weeks before I was done. You know, like I was, I was learning. I was learning, you know, how to do it. And so I was going at the pace at which you learn how to do it. And, um, but, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd had those things in place. It was yeah. just, a, you know, a matter. you have to sit down and write 20 pages. Yeah. And I guess the option, too, is I could have been like, I don't have mm-hmm. something. And I just knew, I just felt like this was... Yeah. My shot. Well, and that's, I mean, this comes up again and again in the, on this podcast that, you know, it's not just talent or ability, but it's also timing and yeah. luck and being ready, though, for when the opportunity does come and, right. and saying, yes, I, of course I have a script. Yeah. <laughs> Get one done right now. Um, so you are, uh, you're, is your background as an actor? You're like a Second City in I.O. And, yeah, uh, and I have a theater degree and I've done a bunch of like, um, plays and national tours and stuff like that. That's and then, amazing. And then I started improvising and okay. then just sort of immersed what, myself. What is your background as an improviser? What was your sort of entry into that world? Um, I started taking classes at the Second City mm-hmm. uh, in, in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, and then I, I kind of went through that whole school because I was getting a master's at the same time. And then, and then yeah. when I full-on moved to Chicago after getting a master's in education that I have not used. Uh, and Sorry, I'm sure your parents were very Education happy. is outside of the classroom, too. Uh, so I guess I do use it every day in, in my own way. There you go. <laughs> um, I, um, I moved to Chicago, and when I moved to Chicago proper, because I was living in a suburb of Chicago, mm-hmm. I just started taking classes everywhere. So mm-hmm. I was at I.O., I was at taking classes at The Annoyance, I was interning at I.O., I was doing comedy sports. That's great. Yeah, and Can I, I ask was, you when you were there? Uh, I was there like 99 to 2006 or something. I'm just curious. Yeah. Because uh, I ended up doing Second City in Las Vegas from 2002, or 2001 to, two, yeah, 2001 I didn't to like 2004. There was a Second City in Las Vegas. And there isn't one anymore. It's all a dream. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Did people was come actually, to those shows? Yeah. And really? it was actually That's great. quite. 
cool. It was uh, the cast was myself, Joe Kelly, who's mm-hmm. uh, uh, wrote on Saturday Night Live and Hi My Mother, and he's really super talented. Jason Sudeikis, who's been on Saturday Night Live, obviously uh, the movies that he's been in. Holly Walker, who writes for the Larry Wilmore Show mm-hmm. uh, now, um, and Seamus McCarthy, who's an actor here in in, in town, and myself. And so like, there, there's five people who are. You know, it was it was actually quite great, and the the show we wrote a uh, an original show. Oh, really? We didn't get the luxury of having improv sets to work out material right. because people just like those gamblers. They just want to like see the show and they want to <laughs> get back out and gamble. And so we would do something called half baked, which is in the middle of the show. We'd be like, "Here's our half baked ideas," and like we kind of trick them that they were watching something like more put right. together than that. Than oh my God. yeah, it was, That's it was really funny. And they actually that show was really well received, and there's about three or four sketches. From that show, that they Second City tours. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it was that's really really amazing. cool. Yeah, um, well, I'm curious to hear about and and you know we've talked to people who have gone through these programs in the past, um, but considering that you kind of threw yourself in and did try out comedy sports and IO mm-hmm. and Second City and all these, did you find was there one that you sort of attached to more than the others, and what was it about that course yeah. of learning? Um, I, I feel like at IO that training. Is just um, I, I attach myself more to the, the training at IO because it was more of this like I guess the how to in terms of mm-hmm. long form improv. Um, it was just like you. I feel like that's where you really played a lot more. Like you got the chance mm-hmm. to, to perform a lot more, and that's really how you learn how to do it sure, by getting up course. and doing it. Whereas the second city, I don't know if you've got, uh, uh, and I feel like they just offer different things in such great ways. They really actually complement each other in wonderful ways. But in terms of performing, you just didn't get as many opportunities because there's just so many students at the second city right. and, um, and there are at IO as well, but they're just, you just found ways in which to get up on stage. Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess, I guess IO. Yeah, okay. but then you know, like annoyance theater, their their philosophy mm-hmm. is just like the no rule situation, and but they you know like Mick Napier teaches at all the different theaters and oh he, sure and they have a lot yeah, of crossover yeah there's just so uh, especially in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you start? Have you always been a writer as well? Uh, no, really. And I, in fact, when I was doing uh, my, my Vegas stint, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember you know every year. SNL and at the time Mad TV, mm-hmm. you know, would come around and I mean, I, I probably auditioned for Mad TV like a dozen times and I just and I never got it. Um, and kind of I'm glad I didn't end up getting it because I would have never been able to work on 30 Rock mm-hmm. had I gotten on it. Sure. Um, but I remember saying like, you know, if I worked really, really hard, like if I really put my mind to it, I could put a, together a pretty decent sketch packet. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, where I could kind of maybe fake it a little bit and then and then maybe it, maybe I'd get hired. And then I remember saying to my friend, I was like, but I can't think of anything worse than having to be hired as a writer, like to, to, to write. Like, and then Joe Kelly told me, and I think it was something he heard Tina Fey say, um, but Joe one time, cause I was kind of, I was saying, I'm like, I'm a performer, I'm a performer. I'm not really, I'm not really a writer. And he was like, but Kate, it's writing is just ideas on paper. So if you think of it that way and don't think of it as like this very complicated Absolutely. thing, um, it really changed my thought on that. Mm-hmm. And then, I kind of, you know you change your attitude you change it doesn't seem as as daunting absolutely so I imagine early on you were writing sketches to perform yeah. yourself yeah um, when did 
writing a longer piece? When did writing a longer narrative, especially, start to become a possibility to you? Well, again, it goes back to, like, I wasn't getting hired to something, and I really yeah. felt like I had to... So it really was with that. Yeah. I was like, it was a lot That of show in that class. And desperation. That yeah. <laughs> Just straight-up desperation. <laughs> Listen, um, whatever drives you, it's fine. God, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's really interesting. All right. Uh, now we'll go back. Um, <laughs> tell me, if you would, uh, I'm curious to hear about the first couple of years of 30 Rock. I mean, this is you, you're in a unique position where it's not your show. You get to see these, you know, really fantastic writers figuring out how this show works. Yeah. Um, what, what was it like in, in the room at that time? And how did the room work? Like you said, I yeah. mean, we said it was sort of a typical comedy room. Maybe even longer hours, but uh, how? What was a typical day like? Well, you know, when when we first, the first like ten weeks of the first year, there was a lot of just t- telling stories about your life. Mm-hmm. Now, the show was about Tina's life, like she, you know, working behind the right. scenes of you know uh, a Saturday Night Live type show. And Robert Carlock also came from SNL, so like it, it made sense that we would be telling these stories that we could they could use for the show. But I remember thinking, is this all this is? Because I can do this all day. Like, I, if you want to hear stories, like personal stories, like this is great. This is uh, this isn't as hard. I mean, of course, I was very very nervous, but I was like, oh, I, I see. Right. What, I see how this is. We talk about our lives and we pull from real stuff and then yeah. create you know a story from that. But then you had to do, like, the writing, and that was... I was like, oh, no, 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 this job's really super hard, and I, I don't know what I'm doing, and this is, they do know what they're doing, and it's just really great. And I just remember just being in awe of, of, of Robert, because Robert can keep a gazillion stories and sure. uh, uh, over many different episodes in his head at once, and he can just pull and... and, and That's an amazing talent. Yeah, he's just really, Still. really smart that way and just really funny. And um, So I, for me, those first couple seasons, uh, the whole time, but really the first couple seasons, I was like, this is an education. I'm mm-hmm. learning. I'm constantly learning. I'm absorbing. I'm trying to add, you know, like, like I said, like Donald and I were, were performers. We were improvisers. And yeah. I think, um, you know, we brought a different flavor into the room that was like respected and, and enjoyed mm-hmm. because we could improvise something or we could, you know, you know, you know, pitch something or whatever that, that, um, maybe we didn't have like a writerly brain behind it. Um, hmm. so, uh, I, I do remember, uh, I think it was the first season I'm on the subway going home cause I was very stressed out. My, one of my proudest accomplishments in life, in my career, is that I did not get fired from the show 30 Rock. <laughs> because, I, like, that was just like, if I made it past that oh first year, it was, like, so great that I would could still be a part of it. But I remember on the subway home, like, I pull, I went to pull out my my uh, hairband, and, like, a clump of hair oh, came out. No. And Jack Burnett, who is the, this amazing writer and who's just a great guy, was sitting next to me. And he's like, are you okay? <laughs> because we all, I think everybody there, like, Matt Hubbard has gallbladder removed moved um uh you know just people like gained and lost weight at brand, like really <laughs> there's a fluctuating thing going on there it was a it to be on something so great and something like this lightning in a bottle mm-hmm. type of show uh you know people were very aware of that and sure. and you know we were always like on the bubble of being canceled Damn. so that was like a whole other different stress um and then like Sarah Palin came into everyone's lives and it and to, into Tina Fey's life and it just like that changed 
mm-hmm. the course of the show in a way too. Like a bunch yeah, that's of an interesting people thing. People started watching yeah. ratings wise. Yeah, because it lot- didn't change the show what the show was. No, it just changed the awareness. I feel. Like. Yeah, and I feel like maybe more Republicans started watching the show or something. <laughs> I I don't know, but you know, a lot of, a lot of people who are on the outside would would have thought that like. 30 Rock had great ratings all the right. time. And sure. really, the, I mean, the opposite is true in terms of, yeah. you know, um, it was kind of a struggle. Yeah, it felt yeah. like it was always a question. Mark. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even, even till the end. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I'm curious to hear about how stories were broken. Um, how big was the room in, uh, in the there first There was, years? like, I believe 12, maybe 10 to 12 It's uh, a decent writers. size. not huge, yeah. especially for a I think it was room. 10 the first year, and then, mm-hmm. I, and then I think I might have gotten more. Like the third or fourth season or something. Okay. Um, uh, what was your question? And how were stories? <laughs> oh, I mean, I, <laughs> what, was, what was the pitch process like? What was the jumping off point? Right. Uh, what, well, like, what, Tina, even uh, what did they would, come in at the beginning of a season with? Yeah, like, well, Tina and Robert would always have a sense of what they kind of mm-hmm. wanted to do uh, with some stuff. Every year, and we, the, us writers would make a joke about this, we had to come in with an ideas packet, uh, which mm-hmm. is like, it's like never a fun. It's not a fun assignment. No. Uh, but and then when you're a staff writer, you're like, this is where my bread and butter is. Like, if I can get some good ideas in, you know, like because I won't be writing a bunch of scripts. Right. Like, but if, if the idea came from me, then I'll feel like I really contributed. Sure. Um, so we, we, they would they would read these ideas packets and then they'd put all the ideas that they were interested in on on a board, and then we kind of that's so stressful. <laughs> I know, <laughs> especially like a like a writer coming in who's going to be in. The fourth season, exactly. and it's just like, oh, you know, like, are we, are we keeping score? Are we, you know, that kind of thing. Oh. And you realize that they're not. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then and then I think there'd be like a, a general focus of like, okay, we want you know Jenna to go country or something, mm-hmm. and that would be her arc. And then then we can kind of you know we'd pitch on what the possible story could be. That we might mm-hmm. there'd be a, maybe the room would break off into like four or five people would okay. work on. You know, an episode or the B story, or you know, mm-hmm. and then pitch it to um, to Robert and Tina. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so then it was sort of beat out in that way. Yeah. Once the story was grasped onto right. and signed off on, you guys yeah. sort of the the would the room outline or would the individual writers the individual outline? would outline. Okay, and the outlines were super detailed. And, I imagine. Yeah. Um, and I, you would get notes on the outline. Mm-hmm. Then you uh, do take another crack at the outline. Mm-hmm. And then you would, uh, once it was approved, you'd go off and write your draft. Mm-hmm. But when you would write, you'd turn in your draft. Uh, this, this is different than other shows that I've been on. Mm-hmm. But uh, you turn in your draft and you, it goes into the room. This is what I was curious about. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a sort of Simpsons model. Uh, there are a few shows that still do this. But so the room would, the room would, yeah, take like, it apart. There'd be a rewrite room, and, and yeah. yeah, and and led by by Carlock and. Mm-hmm. and uh, Oh, we we would discuss it as a group of like there was just so much rewriting you know and you'd think sure. even like you know uh, s- scripts coming in like from from Carlock himself and you're you're reading it and you're just like this is fantastic I remember there being like big discussion about what we're going to change and uh, you know Robert giving himself his own notes you know <laughs> you're just like I think it's pretty good Robert you know, like just him <laughs> being hard on yourself yeah, yeah right and uh, and then like starting with page one and just going through wow. and in this is just a ton a ton of rewriting which has served me. So well in uh, things I've done after, oh, I'm because sure. I I I felt like one of the best things I learned at Thirty Rock was that to not accept where a script is that it can get mm. infinitely better than where you th- if you think it's good it's and that's what I would tell all writers uh, who are new maybe it's like your script can always be a gazillion times better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And but I'm curious about, outside the scrutiny of the showrunners or even the rest of the room, how do you, how do you push on your script in that way? Like, if you're working for yourself, if you're right. writing a pilot or whatever, yeah. or a feature... How do you how do you continue to make it better? How do you know? I think when? you gotta. What I do is mm-hmm. I give it to people to read, mm-hmm. and I I'm just asking for their criticism and or their critiques, yeah. and um, and definitely with pitch, I I gave it to anybody who would read it at all different levels, mm-hmm. and which is really That's asking good. a lot of people to to a lot from people because you're um, you're asking them to read a movie and that takes time for sure. Um, but and 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 then the producers, I really. I don't think too many writers do this in film, uh, but it, because I maybe I come from TV, this is how the only way I know how to do it, which mm-hmm. is I am very forthright with giving pages over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm writing a movie right now for Universal, and I give like every 30 pages or 20 pages, I just give over to the producers for notes. Sure. And um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and then and I just keep doing keep doing it over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. so that what I'm turning into the studio is actually maybe like my 20th draft hmm. that they think yeah, is my fun. first draft. You that know? makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. What, um, what is the fun part for you of writing? <laughs> is there Having one? something tangible, for sure. Yeah, Last, having written. <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, we just had the premiere of Pitch 2 mm-hmm. and that was so fantastic. Like, there was just the response from sure. the audience, being with my friends, uh, like seeing it on the big screen. I remember when, um, before I wrote anything really, I was at 30 Rock, but I was at the uh, What Happens in Vegas premiere, <laughs> and I was in the same row as Dana Fox, who wrote that movie. And she and I have now since become friends, but I, I, I didn't know her then. And and she's such a wonderful, warm person and just a delight. And and that that premiere was a lot like what happened at the pitch premiere where like Cameron Diaz and Ashton Kutcher are just movie stars and just people like there for the first 20 minutes uh, you couldn't hear any of the dialogue because they were just screaming every time that oh Ashton Kutcher and Cameron Diaz were on television and I remember because um, you know Dana Fox is, was at the time I don't think they refer to themselves now but the, fe- the Vampire mm-hmm. which so is Diablo Cody and right. um, Liz Merriweather and they were all in the, their throw and I looked over at Dana watching like her name on the screen and, and she just was like watching it with such delight like she just had like a big smile on her face and when her name came on the screen the her friends just like cheered for her it was, sure. an, it was just a That's really good feeling and I remembered thinking I want that <laughs> I want what she's feeling because that looks like why you should do what you do for that's a living cool. and I felt like last night I got that oh that's amazing yeah. this would be a great place to end we're not going to <laughs> <laughs> intermission music yeah maybe we'll put an ad in here or something that's really cool that's that's an amazing feeling did you when you're on the moving train though of a TV show whether it's Third Rock or you worked on New Girl after yeah um, do you ever get that? Do you get? It feels like there must never be a sense of completion. Um, I oh, no, I, I do get it because it's still very um, fun and warm and fuzzy for me to watch the episode that I've oh, written on, and you know on television. Yeah, where you're just like, I can't believe that they're actually saying the lines that I wrote. <laughs> and you, you know, like I, I try to keep that kind of like feeling because mm-hmm. otherwise, I think maybe you'd go into little bit of a bitter or like That's you just feel like you're you know a part of the grind or something yeah. um but that I, yeah i hope that never ever goes away um and yeah. certainly at 30 rock when you're winning uh or part of the show that's winning emmys mm-hmm. and it's very exciting uh you feel like all that hard work has really paid off sure 
Yeah. Was there, and I, I, I do want to move on, but was there at 30 Rock a feeling of this underdog show or feeling of frustration, you know, because uh-huh. it was, I mean, NBC kept picking it up, but it was never, it was never a huge show. Right. They obviously uh, wanted it or wanted to work yeah. with these people, but... Uh, but know, it's a strange uh, you know what's interesting? Winning is, Emmys. Yeah. Well, the first year, I don't know if you remember, but Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip was also. Oh, happening. I remember. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I, it's funny because you go back. Oh, wow. What we worried about? What they? What they? So I say we, but I mean I was a staff writer. But right. the, what they were worried about is so different in the first season than in season five. Right. Um, but yeah, like that was that they thought that was gonna you know be the thing that lasted. Everyone, for, yeah. yeah, and. Um, I think maybe Tina's healthy attitude about, hey, if the show doesn't go mm-hmm. on, I'll be, you know, I've got two beautiful daughters and I'll right. write, you know, mm-hmm. something else. Uh, I think that was like a good attitude for her to have. But it it never, it, it, it was an interesting show because it was in the, within the industry, it was so loved. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's just hard. It was hard. It was like, what do they say? Like it was a the, like a coast show where it was like popular right. on the coast, and not, yeah. you know, um, I, I made the one mistake of um, bringing home an episode for my family to watch in Chicago, <laughs> <laughs> in the Midwest or whatever. And I was like, uh, it was the it was the um, um, the first episode I ever wrote, which was Black Tie with uh, where mm-hmm. uh, Paul Rubens plays. Um, <laughs> The Prince, the inbred Prince, and uh, which is just like a bonkers so episode. And I was, I, it was only like ten minutes into watching the, uh, I, like getting no reaction from my family, and I was like, oh wait a second, <laughs> this might not be for everyone. But, but that's also, I don't know, and maybe I'm dumb about this stuff, but like it's surprising to me because it's also such a, it was such a joke driven or joke heavy show mm-hmm. that you would think that would be the most accessible thing. Like these are I, just jokes. You I don't guess have to, so, but. I guess, like, you need a show that you can do laundry to. Like, you can fold laundry sure. to and that you can kind of casually be in and out. And I felt like 30 Rock wasn't necessarily that kind of show. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It is mm-hmm. a pay-attention sort of show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're it's kinda, not wallpaper. Right. And then you got to kind of maybe watch it a second time to, mm-hmm. for the things you missed. And, and it does feel like that's sort of what happened with it, that, like, the longer it was on, the more people discovered it. It's, you know, right. it sort of did for comedy what Breaking Bad did for drama later on. <laughs> you can catch up and enjoy this in other places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so, and what what did you do on Baby Mama? I was um, brought in again. Uh, Tina Fey helping me out. Uh, she called me and said, "Like, will you help me rewrite this with with, with Amy?" And so I I was originally just gonna like work on it for like a week or mm-hmm. something, and then a week became several weeks, and then I ended up being a co producer, like hmm. you know, on set and helping rewrite. Oh, and, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, it feels like sort of in the way Thirty Rock must have like it's it's a tough target. That move that specific... yeah the voice of it and oh and, yeah yeah know, what that movie was trying to be and what that movie could be and I don't know what what was yeah. the process like for you? Um, well, I, you know, I came in on, at the end of it, yeah. and and the writer of the movie Michael McCullers was also the director, mm-hmm. so that was like an interesting thing too. And he, you know, it was great. We worked really well together. But here this he doesn't know who I am and I'm coming in and I'm like, you know, um, uh, and so I, I do think that it was them, you know, like, 
Tina and Amy just trying to be the best version of to Tina and Amy are when they're together and they're so funny together. One story that I, I never f- will forget is which I was just like, oh, if I, could, if I got through that, I can kind of get through anything, is that... So Steve Martin was in the movie, and I, I came in to work mm-hmm. and, uh, on set, and um, one of Lauren Michaels' assistants came to me and said, uh, Lauren would like you to write a scene that has Steve Martin and Amy Poehler together. Like, their characters didn't, like, weren't connected at all. And uh, you need to do this, and it has to be done in the next couple of hours. Um, and, uh, and then Lauren's going to read it, and then Lauren's going to give you notes on it. Again, oh felt like I was going to barf. <laughs> and, uh, and then she, I remember she, she was like, do, do you need anything? And I was like, I would like a Diet Coke, please. Um, <laughs> because I couldn't think of any. I was just like, this is the worst possible. Like, I'm going to fail miserably. I looked to see, like, where it, we could put it or whatever. I did it. I wrote it. And, uh, and, and it ends up, it's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then Lauren... I had my call with Lauren, and I remember one of his notes was, um, it was about, I had something in there about, a pl- like, because Steve Martin's character was pretty rich or something, and and um, I can't even remember now the really fancy, super rich airline that <laughs> only, like, Lauren Michaels would know. That I, 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 dirtbag me, had no idea, because I had said some I had, like, said something about JetBlue or something, and he, like, no disrespect towards JetBlue, by the way, uh, oh um, and he was like, uh, I, and I can't do a Lauren impression, but it was just like, no, that's not. It needs to be like this you know, is what I would. Yeah, do. yeah, yeah. And uh, oh my God. and I just remember that um, thinking of like, oh yeah, you're like a super rich guy who, and, and I am not that, and uh, I have so much to learn about life, <laughs> life and culture. That is so strange. Mm-hmm. And then he liked it. He was like, he said it was funny, and that's I just uh, I was thrilled, you know. Uh, and, and but that's how they work. Like at Saturday mm-hmm. Live, that it is you've got two hours to write something and in his mind he's like i'm asking for a a two-page three you know scene not a 10-page sketch so this should be talking about a 90-minute movie i know may not support having this scene absolutely (laughs) and like does that ever become part of the conversation or is it like well he's the boss Uh, if it was if it could ever have the potential to be that part i would have no idea and wouldn't even try yeah (laughs) yeah i just did whatever he wanted that's craziness um how did things wind up for you on 30 Rock? I mean, again, you were there. You must have learned everything there is to learn about making a TV show. It, yeah, I, I, it was, I was so sad to leave, you know. I remember sure. the day I, you know, told Tina and Robert that I didn't think I'd be able to come back for the last one. And mm-hmm. they were very supportive and understood. And, you know, uh, just there was, like, a, a, a lot of... Uh, you know, not to be all sappy, but I was like really tearful. I was just a lot of tears of when I when I left there, and um, and just being there. It was season six, and I knew I sort of knew that there, the seventh season was going to mm-hmm. be a shorter season anyway. Um, so I still feel very much as if I was there oh, the whole sure. time. Um, but it was uh, it was just like so sad to go. Sure. Um, but you know, then and then. I was working, I knew I was going to be working on New Girl and I was going to take this overall deal with 20th. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that was exciting too. But uh, Brett Bear and Dave Finkel, who co-show run that mm-hmm. show, worked the first season of 30 Rock. So I felt like I, I was, yeah, I felt like I was going, you know, back with family. Oh, I didn't, yeah, it felt uh, like a nice transition. And they're terrific. We've talked to them a bunch of times. Uh, um, let me ask you, both by the time you finished on 30 Rock and then going into New Girl or, or any room that you've been in, what do you think it is that you bring to the writer's room? 
I think I I hope I'm not wrong on this because if I am, that's the, the best be part. So sad. Oh, we do a fact check afterwards. <laughs> I call everyone you've worked with. You're gonna check some references. Yeah. Donald Glover's gonna be like, "Hey, who?" I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think I bring a certain energy to the room that is light and. Um, I really do feel like you're responsible for the energy that you bring in, and I, I think mm-hmm. that I bring in this like fun. Let's do this. Uh, let's be up all night and have the time of our lives kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I there was a talk of me um, of me possibly being in LA and conferencing into 30 Rock, you know, like uh, with a screen, yeah. where you, which is like, I've done it a couple of times and it's, it's no fun. But one of our writers, Matt Hubbard, would, did that uh, where he lived in LA and, and he was just on, on the TV box. Um, and it's such a weird thing. It's a weird, weird yeah. thing. And uh, and we would do, I did it one time where I was next to him. Like We were, we were just like, I was like, how do you do this? I'm about to lose my mind. Yeah. Um, and I remember Robert being like, that's not like that's not what I bring to the like I like we my your physical yeah presence. yeah and and I feel that way too like yeah. you know it's like I really I need cool. to be able to have eye contact and yeah, yeah. Oh, that's um, great that, that's a really nice thing to hear I mean that's so valuable uh-huh. in, in any room it really is I think like I, you know I'm the fifth of seven kids and I think I just uh, I'm used to just. A, a fun chaos and, and many conversations and a lot of different personalities and I, at 30 Rock definitely at 30 Rock if I would definitely get that middle child thing if, if things were stressed out it's like is everybody okay is everybody happy like how can I make sure that everybody's happy uh, stop yelling at each yeah. other <laughs> Awesome. Um, I just want to ask you briefly uh, before we wrap up about pitching. Uh, so you mm-hmm. were under a deal, which means you wind up having to pitch yeah. probably a number of times over the course of a year um, to 20th or to whomever. Um, what is your pitching style? How do you like to pitch? How mm-hmm. do you not like to pitch? Uh, my, I pitch like it's a performance. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, Liz Merriweather told me that she, she doesn't like to do that. And she literally went and pitched and had her script. Like, she just read it really close to her face. Um, and I can't do that. I have to be, you know, performing and doing the whole thing. And um, I try to... Uh, I try to add jokes and fun into into it, and I always start from a very personal place mm-hmm. um, and kind of sell. I think I sort of sell the show before I pitch the show, mm-hmm. where it's like I'm like this is where in my personal life I am pulling from, and if they connect to that, then I feel like it's easier to to pitch the characters and yeah, what that makes going on. Yeah. How how much detail do you tend to go on into and how long do these pitches usually Um they're last for usually you? like fifteen minutes, fifteen, twenty minutes, yeah. And uh, I go into a lot of detail of the characters, who mm-hmm. the characters are. Well for comedy for especially comedy. that's yeah. important. Yeah. That makes sense. And yeah, and I I I really try to know exactly what's gonna go on that pilot, like have a really clear, specific uh, of how I see the pilot happening. Okay. Um, That's good. And, you know, it, and it really doesn't change all that much when I actually go to write it because I've really worked mm-hmm. hard on, like, what am I trying to say? Yeah. What I want, you know, what am I trying to convey here? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, can you tell us what's going on next? What what you have, <laughs> what you're working on, what you're excited about? Uh, I'm excited about um, uh, this, this movie I've got for Universal that I will have, like, a first draft of done oh. in June. I will have a first draft done. <laughs> I think I just finished. Like I just finished draft. my first draft of this movie <laughs> from you Universal. Uh, yeah, That's and then very optimistic. And then, I, and then um, 
uh, you know, I'm excited about whatever TV thing cool. comes my way. Yeah. Great. Well, then we'll end as we always do. First of all, tell everyone to see Pitch Perfect 2. It is already Guys, in theaters. Guys, have not seen it. Which everybody what are you waiting has. for? It's June 9th, yeah. probably. Why haven't you seen and it a second time? Uh, or a third time. Yeah. Go twice in a row. Mom, go see it. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents enjoy the movie more than they enjoyed the uh, th- the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my my yeah, my mom really uh, oh, good. yeah enjoyed it. <laughs> good. Uh, my my dad wasn't here for the second one, but um, right. But for the first one, when he saw it, uh, he loved it, and he was just he said something like, "That's the first chick flick I've ever loved," and whatever. Oh, and I was like, awesome. "Oh, that's for, okay, <laughs> that's really cool." <laughs> Um, we'll end, as we always do, by asking you what you are watching on television these days, uh-huh. uh, what movies you are seeing, what is getting you excited or inspired to make stuff, what you're talking about with your uh-huh. friends. Well, that's a great question because uh, I like to call myself a TV whore. Uh, I watch everything. I love, nice. I love television. I love watching television. I love, like, Sundays are the day. Uh, there's, like, eight <laughs> hours. Inclu- like So you got your Mad Men, you got your Game of Thrones, you got... Um, uh, Silicon Valley and, uh, you know, Girls When Girls Was On mm-hmm. and Veep. And um, then there's the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Let's not forget about that. There's the whole reality situation. Shark Tank I'm a real big fan oh of. Uh, Comedy-wise, I watch I watch it all. Like I And, and I definitely sample, like, everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm Modern Family and... Um, uh, uh, I'm watching Bloodline right now. How's Bloodline? Uh, I, I it, yeah. love it. I hear it's great. It's really great. I hear it's a slow burn, but Sl- it's good. That's what I was going to say. It's like slow burn, and then once it gets going, holy cow. Nice. Um, but I'm only on, like, episode eight, so what <laughs> <Only>? do I know? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, these are all good answers. What? What? Uh, so Modern Family, what other comedy is out there that you're enjoying? Well, uh, Veep I'm very much enjoying, and um, I'm very, Silicon Valley. Oh, Last Man on Earth I think is fantastic. Right. so good. It's so, so good. Um uh, I watch Big Bang Theory on occasion. Um, um, what what else is out there? I, I feel like I watch everything. Good yeah. job. It's nice to talk to TV people who still like TV. Well, my goodness, like what I I kind of don't trust someone who says that they don't watch television and they work in TV. I'm like, whoa, mm. what? Like, <laughs> how are you not loving this? There's so this, much good there's stuff. Just so, there's so much good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to rewatch all this. Everything's available, too. Totally. I mean, House of Cards, I, I, I'm a b- big fan of that. Oh, Orange is the New Black. I was super inspired by Orange is the New Black. Yeah. And um, because I felt, I actually feel like it's, I know it's a drama, but I do, I do appreciate uh, the storytelling and the different characters. I mean, to talk about, mm-hmm. like, balancing all these characters. Well, I feel um, like there are, are you a fan of that show? I love that show. Oh. And I feel like there are a bunch of dramas that are changing what comedy can be yeah. in drama and Better Call Saul is another one. Uh, but Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Better Call Saul is so great. And The Good Wife is so great. And I just watched on a plane four episodes of Looking, which I was like, that's very sexual. Really it's very, very sexual. sexual. And you watch but it on a really, plane? It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every time I'm on a plane, I feel like I wind up doing something like that. And the person next to me is like, this is pervert. <laughs> oh, uh, but I have to check out that show. I hear it is good. Uh, okay, thank you for being here. Thank you for congratulations having me. on thank the you. enormous success of Pitch Perfect Two. Oh, yeah, it's, it's just uh, it's mind blowing. There's I'm working on Pitch Perfect Five right now. It's weird that they're um, doing a theme park. I thought it wouldn't work. Do you think but it's weird? I thought it was. <laughs> the Pitch Pipe ride is <laughs> like it doesn't really go anywhere, but <laughs> it just kind of. Uh, Worth it goes that. into a mouth and then goes out of mouth. 
Um, big giant mouth. <laughs> yeah, you must be this high to be in this park. <laughs> uh, thank you again for being here. Thank you. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. 